Hello, heathens, and welcome to Spinning the Wheel Podcast with me, your melting but still rather frigid host, (laughs) Megan Angus. And this week, we are going to be discussing the astrology, the astronomy, the holy days, the pagan rituals and festivals, the lunar work, (laughs) you know how we do, of in bulk season, waxing moon in Taurus, lunar week two by some lunar calendars. Because of course, last week we had lunar new year, which would have been lunar week one. So that's how that works. Um, all right, a little bit of blah, blah, before we get into the want, want. Uh, this month, I am bringing back my incredibly popular, uh, I don't know how popular it was actually, <laughs> but very fun to teach, uh, Tarot Circle Workshops. Um, this is a Patreon exclusive. Uh, our next one is going to be February 16th. Um, the patrons have spoken and we are going to be talking about tarot spells and tarot spreads for in bulk season. So this is going to be working with tarot, but doing magic um, for the stuff that we are working on in in bulk season. Uh, You can sign up for my Patreon for a measly buck and get access to this class, as well as the recordings of previous uh, tarot circles that I was teaching in 2020. Uh, Or I I should say you'll get access to those at the $9 and up level. There's false advertising there. Sorry. Uh, So yes, this month, February 16th, Tarot Circle, uh, Tarot Spells and Tarot Spreads for In Bulk Season for my patrons. Um, speaking of In Bulk, which is the Sabbat that we are currently in, if you would like more information on that, uh, my In Bulk class is up for free to watch on YouTube. You can also watch it on my website. Um, and if you would like access to the workbook that we use in that, as well as the calendar that we talk about every week here on the podcast and a bunch of other stuff, sign up to my Patreon. Uh, everybody at the $9 and higher level will get access to the Patreon bag of holding. Um, wherein you will find all of that good uh, shit. Um, So many thank yous to my patrons. Uh, Because of your patronage, I am able to offer those classes for free. Thanks, guys. I also have tarot workshops coming up in March. Those are three standalone workshops that are going to be two hours apiece, probably. Um, One of them might go to three hours. I said it was two hours long but I may have lied. We might make it three hours long. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about uh, the major arcana. We're going to do a big focus on major arcana. We're going to do a big focus on working with reversals, and we're going to do a big focus on uh, tarot and astrology, including learning how to read your your natal chart like a tarot reading. If you love this podcast, you can support it through Patreon. Thank you to all of my patrons. But you can also leave a review on whatever podcast service you listen to this through. Uh, If you're feeling especially heretical, you can, of course, give it a five-star rating, five being an extremely occult number. Okay. Uh, There's links for everything in the description, probably, or just go to my website. Everything is there. (laughs) Okay. That's enough of that. Let's get on with the the other stuff that we were going to do, which is the next, you know, hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> okay, as usual, to get us grounded in the work of the season that we are in for Imbolc, our witch's work is 
purification, perseverance, renewal, and dreams. And of course, we've talked a lot about that stuff already. We talked about it in class. We talked about it in last week's podcast. And what we're going to see in our holy days, in our astrology, are these themes being reiterated for us over and over again. Um, And looking around the planet at what people were doing in the past and in the present, we see holy days and festivals dedicated to purification, the renewal of our energy, and uh, rededication to our spiritual or philosophical practices. So are you ready to get clear about what we are building this year? Because (laughs) this week's Everything is lovingly here to kick your ass, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, Some of this might feel a little heavy, but most of it, I think, is very auspicious, very um, not necessarily exciting on the surface, but if we decide to read some meaning into things, I think there's some really cool stuff to work with in this week. So let's get into it. Okay, our lunar week starts on February 8th. And we have a waxing half moon or quarter moon, whatever you want to call it, in Taurus at 19 degrees at 5.50 a.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else around the planet. And um, to bring us back to our lunar cycle itself, when we are working with the waxing half moon, we are at a branching point. So we start the new moon as a seed. Then we move into the waxing crescent, and that's where we're like a sprout that's just sort of like, whoop, out of the out of the soil. And at the waxing half moon, you know, our process is sort of like looking at us and going, okay, well, are you going to do something about this or what are we doing? Are we going to fight against the soil? Are we going to fight against gravity and like push into being this thing? Are we going to be a plant or are we going to fall back into the soil and just be like, ah, this is too hard? So always... When we are having a waxing half moon, we want to remember that the moon in the sky is square to the sun, right? So squares bring us a little bit of friction. Sometimes friction is needed to start a fire. Sometimes friction is needed because that's the traction that we need to grip onto something to get our process going. But it can be a little difficult, a little confusing, a little uncomfortable sometimes to move through those parts of the process. So we kind of have to like step up to it. So we have this waxing half moon in Taurus, half moon being this moment, a branching out, a friction place. We need to make a decision and kind of commit to our process, even though there might be some forces pushing against us. So what might those forces look like? Well, this moon is going to bring into sharp focus the compromises that we are forced to make to live in Western capitalist society. I know, exciting. <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that work every single day, right? <laughs> um, you know, I love working with the book uh, Moon Phase Astrology by Raven Caldera. We talk about it a lot here on the podcast. Love that book, go buy it. Um, the metaphor that Raven Caldera uses to describe this phase of the moon is a dryad, like a wood nymph, you know, a spirit, a, tr- a, a spirit of a tree, basically, who becomes a woodcutter, right? That's intense. So basically, this moon is asking you, in what ways have you been required to sell your dreams or to sell your values when it comes to survival, 
and physical resources. This is a moon that may really underline the point of there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. And it might feel like an accusatory thing, but that is not how I mean it. I mean it as a recognition thing of, you know, I I have like, let's say I'm a parent and I've got kids. I have to feed them. Those kids have to eat full stop, right? Do I spend the extra $10 for the organic food knowing that it's healthier for my kid, but I'm able to buy less food? Or do I buy the non-organic food that's super fucking processed and I know it's not as healthy for my kid, but I can get another couple of days worth of groceries because of the price difference? No ethical choice, right? I don't have an ethical choice there. And that's the system that I've been born into, that I've inherited from the people behind me. Think about all that talk, all that lunar work that we've done in the last few weeks around what am I inheriting from the past and what am I going to do about all of that? Well, this is a week where we're starting to put some wheels into motion around manifestation. We're not necessarily acting on the physical plane just yet, but we are thinking about what we're going to do when we start to act. We're thinking about what are those threads that we're going to use in our tapestry, in our portion of the tapestry. And this moon is like, yeah, think of all the ways that you haven't been able to do it the way you wanted to do it. Think about all the ways that you were forced to sell or compromise or give up um, things that were really precious to you or important to you or valuable to you, um, your, you know, your sense of worth, right? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, you know, this is... Uh, this is like, in what ways have you been required to sell your dreams or your ethics when it comes to survival and physical resources? Thinking about like the artist who loves to make art, but also has to make art to sell. Or the performer who loves to strip and loves to dance, but also has to strip and has to dance to pay their bills. That thing. And a lot of us are in that place right now. Lots of us are in that place right now. From a not-so-bummer point of view, <laughs> this moon is going to help us uh, with discomfort <laughs> to get clearer on what we want to build in this world and what compromises we are willing to make to manifest those dreams. Also, it is going to help us with discomfort to get really clear on the compromises we are not going to make. This moon could also be a super tough love moment of defining exactly what we will not compromise on, even if it means taking the harder road. And for me, this moon is like a perfect moment that like really personifies the vibes of the Five of Pentacles card. Um, in that card, we're seeing people have a hard time. They are not having a good day. There's, you know, somebody's hurt, somebody's on crutches, they've got patches in their clothes, they're surrounded by snow, one person's barefoot, it's not a good scene. And yet right behind them is this building with this big brightly lit window. And it's like, why, why won't they just go inside? It's terrible out here. Why don't they just go inside? There could be really good reasons why they won't go inside. I have a whole piece on this card, by the way, on my website, go read it. But, <laughs> but there could be really, really, really good reasons why these people are like, yes, it sucks out here, but we are taking the road less traveled. We are taking the harder path because there are just some things that we're not going to compromise on. 
That's just the way it is. And is it going to suck? Yes. Is it going to be hard? Yes. And also, I will be able to sleep at night. <laughs> I will be able to look myself in the eye later on in my life because I made this compromise when I knew I had to, or I didn't make this compromise because I knew that I could manifest another way of doing it. Sometimes we can, and sometimes we can't. So there is no like element of what I'm saying here that's like, you just need to manifest a more positive reality in it. No, screw all that. We are surrounded by fucked up circumstances. We are in some gnarly context right now. No. <laughs> all that said, this is a moon that's really bringing a lot of that argument and frustration into clear focus for us so that we can really feel it, really examine it, and start to make some internal decisions around what are we going to do about all of that. Okay. For our lunar body, we are awakening, activating, adorning, stimulating, and preparing for action. The ears, the mouth, the teeth, the throat, the neck, the shoulders. Specifically, the organs and the parts of our body that are involved with hearing and involved with speech. Uh, as I say every week, not a medical doctor, doctor of the cosmos, please check in with your trusted health advisor or medical practitioner person if you want to integrate any of this information into your health maintenance routines. Uh, and for our plant body work with a waxing moon in Taurus, we are planting, transplanting, and grafting. And now is a really great time for planting any of your annual flowers um, or any of your fruits or your vegetables or your herbs that are going to be producing above ground stuff. Um, so it might be a little cold to plant herbs outside, but this is a great time to start all of those things on this moon in particular. Okay. We have a little bit of astrology for this day as well. And then we have one holy day. So I'm just going to get into it. Okay. Our astrology for this day is supporting, in my opinion, this work that we are doing. We have Mars in Capricorn, Trine, Uranus in Taurus at 11 degrees. So the moon is going to conjunct Taurus during this moment of it being the waxing half. Uh, you know, so we've got kind of like bonus round moment here. And what are we doing with the Mars Trine Uranus moment? It's new activities, new encounters, unexpected elements. It can feel really exciting. But most importantly, it can be a day for really incredible personal growth. It is a day for breaking away from our usual routine. And that is going to be really uh, important as we move through some of the other astrology of this week of like breaking out of what we normally do, breaking out of the way that we normally see things um, and like shaking stuff up. Uh, also, breaking free of personal inhibitions also very important. Um, a liberation of duties and obligations uh, might be something that you see on this day. Willing to take some risks might be something that you see on this day. Um, and so it could be just that, you know, you get the day off and you didn't expect it and that's cool. Um, but it also could be a day of really thinking about this is the way I usually do stuff. What if I was to totally shake up my schedule, shake up the way I structure my life or at least my work life? And, you know, again, willing to take some risks, thinking about what can we do to bring in new energy and empty out the old energy, that thing. Okay. And our holy day for this day is Harikayu uh, number two from our Shinto friends in Japan. 
This is the Festival of Broken Needles, celebrated in December in parts of Japan and on February 8th in other parts of Japan. It is celebrated by women as a memorial to all of the sewing needles broken in their service during the past year and as an opportunity to pray for improved skills. Now, that whole skills thing and craftsperson thing is inherent to stuff that we're working on in in bulk season, so I love that we have this festival here. Um, But also, and that idea of honoring your tools, honoring your craft, recognizing your hard work and the skills that go into it, very important. And we also want to remember in the background are big festivals to the Hindu goddess Saraswati happening, who is the goddess of trades and skills. We also have big festivals to the goddess Bridget from our Celtic and Irish and Western UK friends and ancestors. And again, a goddess of uh, skills and trade and craftspeople. So this this idea being emphasized over and over and over again. Okay, that's everything for February 8th. Let's move on to February 9th. Okay, February 9th, our waxing moon enters Gemini. So all of that work that we were doing with our Taurus moon about considering what ways we've compromised ourselves in the physical world around work and security and physical needs and all of that stuff, making money, all of that, Now we bring all of that into the mental realms, right? Gemini, air sign, the brain, uh, ruled by Mercury, the planet that's like, hey, how am I talking about stuff? How am I thinking about stuff? Who am I exchanging information with? While this moon is traveling through Gemini, we are asking ourselves, what lies have I told myself to be able to get by in the world, to be able to do the shit I had to do? Um, to be able to get what I want, to be able to get what I need. Um, What ways have I lied to other people around that stuff? And I know you're like, what, man, come on. Why are you coming for me right now? (laughs) And uh, I apologize. It's astrology. This is magic. It's it's generally not fun. Um, (laughs) But this moon truly may feel like it is a personal attack. And I understand that. (laughs) But it is truly here to help us. It is, again, not coming from a judgmental place. We are not wanting to stand and flog ourselves as we are doing this work. That comes at the end of the week with Lupercalia. We'll get into it. But <laughs> but with these moons in Taurus and in Gemini, and the next moon is going to bring a little of this work too as it moves into Cancer, but it's mostly with Taurus and Gemini here. I totally understand how what I'm saying could feel judgmental. Maybe there's a better way I could say this, but what I'm, but what I'm meaning by the work in these is, you know, sort of from, from a compassionate place, look at all of the places where you have been forced to compromise, where you have been forced to veer from what you authentically would have wanted to do in that place. And so as it's working through Gemini, it's, How has this all taken place, you know, in the mental realms? In Taurus, it's how did this take place in the physical realms? What did I physically do? Mental realms, how did I rationalize this? What did I tell myself? What were the lies (laughs) that I had to repeat over and over to like get through that? Um, You know, what ways do I manipulate my thinking or manipulate my speech to maneuver through situations just to be able to get to my goal? That's what's up. Or just like in the last moon, or not, right? In what ways have I not 
compromised my thinking or my speech to make things easier to get me closer to my goals? In what ways have I stuck to my word or I've stuck to my way of thinking or I've stuck with my information source, um, even when that created friction, even if that like created problems or maybe um, even when that kept me from getting closer to my goals or my needs. Um, I look at that and I think about um, the way that some of us interact with social media or we don't, right? Um, and what benefits and what hindrances do you get from that in either direction? Like I interact with social media in this way and I have 10,000 followers, but at what cost, right? Or I interact with social media in this way and I only have you know, 2000 followers, but at what cost that thing. Um, and again, all within the framework of recognizing that these are not necessarily choices that we would ever make for ourselves and really are situations that we shouldn't have to be in at all, in my opinion, anyways. <laughs> um, so that that's the kind of work that, that this Gemini moon is sort of bringing to our door. Okay. While we are working with this waxing moon in Gemini for our lunar body, we are awakening, activating, stimulating, adoring, or a preparing for action, the shoulders, the elbows, the wrists, the arms, the hands, and the armpits. So in whatever way you would like to manifest that, maybe it's just glittery lotion for the next three days. Fantastic. For our plant body work, we are harvesting, we are doing pest control, disease control, we're plowing and we're weeding and we're pruning uh, all in places where we want to encourage above ground growth. Okay. And there's no astrology for this day. So I'm just going to go directly into our holy days of this day. We only have a few. One, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Castra. This is a blue-white quadruple star system in the tail of the sea goat, aka Capricorn. Yes, we are still actually within the constellation of Capricorn. <laughs> um, and the word castra is a Latin word that means fortress or military camp. And it was used all over Europe by the Romans. And so every time you run across a town that has castor or chester in the name, it often is connected to uh, this idea, castra. Also on this day, from our friends and ancestors in China, we have the day of New Kwa or New Gua. Her name is pronounced both ways. This is a great goddess who is a serpent-bodied goddess who created humanity. New Kwa's themes are luck, opportunity, abundance, order, and divination. And these are all things that play into this season and in particular play into uh, this week pretty it's it's very cool that her holiday is right here her symbols are clay and serpents nuqua is an ancient chinese creatrix who created people humanity out of yellow clay and invented the flute i love this because the color yellow and musical instruments are very important to Saraswati. <laughs> Today, she plays her music bearing good fortune, opportunity, and the organization skills with which to make both useful. Um, she serenades the earth back to fullness after winter. In legends, this serpent-bodied goddess reestablishes order on earth after a terrible rebellion. And we know that 
order restoring holidays are really important during in bulk season because we were restoring order after the chaos of winter, the total like breakdown of nature there. Nuqua used melted stones right? Lots of melting symbolism in in bulk too, to refashion the sky, tortoise toes to mark the four winds and reeds to hold back overflowing rivers. Once this was done, the earth returned to its former beauty. We love. And also on this day, uh, from our modern pagan wheel of the year calendars that we find around the internet, we have the feast of Apollo. Apollo was a Greek and Roman god, uh, overseeing archery, music and dance, truth and prophecy, healing and diseases, uh, poetry, and probably most importantly, the sun and light. And we are seeing some sun deities being venerated at this time of year as the sun is slowly coming back in the Northern Hemisphere. All right, let's move on to February 10th. All right, February 10th, we still have our waxing moon hanging out in Gemini. So all of that, you know, existentialist dread, enjoy. And then we also have no astrology of note for this day. So we're going to move right into our holy days. From our Roman friends and ancestors running from February 10th to February 21st. And to be technical about it, when we're talking about these holidays, we're talking about the lunar calendar so you can certainly celebrate these on February 10th to the February 21st or the 10th day of the lunar month to the 21st day of the lunar month. Um, Fornicalia. This was an ancient Roman religious festival celebrated in honor of the goddess Fornax, a divine personification of the oven, Fornax, and was related to the proper baking of bread. It's believed that every family in the Curia bought spelt, which is a type of grain, uh, to be toasted in the meeting hall and sacrificed to ensure that bread in the household ovens wouldn't be burnt in the following year. This, the last day of this festival was the Quirinalia, which we will talk about uh, next week or the week after that. Um, but we're going to see a few other, we've already seen some holidays be very grain focused. Remember last week we had that uh, Norse holiday Bari, which was maybe about an evergreen grove, but maybe also about grains <laughs> and barley in particular. Um, and we have this holiday we, and we were going to have more holidays uh, in, in the future where we're doing this um, blessing of the grains um, and all of that stuff. But we also have had oven festivals and here we have another oven festival. Um, and this oven idea is really about like the heart hearth of the home and the family. Um, so it is a physical thing, but it is also a metaphysical idea that is sort of being brought back to life. Side note, the first time I heard about this holiday, Fornicalia, I didn't think it was about a stove. I, I did think it was about something else, especially considering Lupercalia is at the end of the week. And I know I keep talking about it. We're going to get into it. Okay. Also on this day from our Arizona Hopi friends, we have the festival of Pawamu. This is a bean planting and purification festival. Um, this is a midwinter ceremony. Uh, this celebrates the return of the Kachinas, and part of this festival is about keeping the kivas or the houses super hot for nine days to get bean sprouts to start sprouting. And then those sprouts are given as gifts and they're used in ceremony and they're eaten. 
Um, and another interesting thing that I think happens during, and there's a bunch of really cool stuff about this festival. Um, I, I recommend actually going and researching it because it's really beautiful. Um, but flogging is part of this festival. And uh, I love that because again, as I've said several times, we have Lupercalia at the end of the week and flogging is a really big part of that festival. I love that we also have it represented in Native American tradition, and I bet probably in other places around the world. I mean, last week or the week before, no, last week we also had from Thailand, Thaipusam, um, which is a like really intense mortification festival, but there's definitely flogging in that. And it's not just about that process in particular, but it is also. Flogging can be very, very sacred. It's clearly you know, being used in ritual past and present. Um, but the idea around the use of flogging in ritual is to bring the blood up to the surface of the skin, sure, but it is to bring vitality back into the body. Um, and so within this festival, there is sort of this waking up of vitality, waking up of the life energy, of growth energy, of surge and thrust energy. We're bringing that back from the lands of the dead or the lands of hibernation, the, the underworld journey, that thing. All right, that's everything for February 10th. Let's move on to February 11th. All right, February 11th, we still have our waxing moon hanging out in Gemini. And then at about 3.30 p.m. Pacific time, the moon moves into Cancer. I'm not going to talk about the Cancer moon on this day. I'm going to talk about it for February 12th. Um, so, and then it will move, you know, on February 12th for most of the other people around the planet. So what do we have going on on this day? We have a little bit of astrology and a couple of holy days, but what we have on this day is Mercury in Capricorn conjunct Pluto at 27 degrees and trine the North Node in Taurus at 27 degrees, which also means, yes, the North Node is trining Pluto and will be for several days. This moment of Mercury hang coming to hang out will only last for about a day and really kind of lights it up. And then the rest of the energy of Pluto and the North Node kind of hanging out together in a trine will be for, you know, a week or two. So what do we get from this astrological combination? Well, some interesting stuff. This could be a day of really intense mental activity. Um, your thinking, your communication could be really intense, could be really penetrating. Um, we might have a really strong desire to get to the bottom of every single question. And if this sounds familiar, it's because Mercury has already made this trip multiple times. Uh, it passed by here and then it retrograded and it passed by uh, while it was in retrograde and then it stationed direct and now it's coming through for the third time. So there could be uh, an ongoing investigation, a mystery, a secret that you have been trying to discover, that you've been trying to get the last piece of the puzzle, um, get to the bottom of the thing, this might be a day where you start to see some actual results from that work. But this all might be stuff that is turned inward as well. It might be a conversation that you are having with various portions of yourself, but and also 
could be conversations or experiences that you're having with people in the world. If this isn't affecting you, it might just be stuff that you're seeing around you, especially in workplace environments. Um, but what can we do with this whole thing? Well, it is an incredible day for putting words um, to your plans for the future, for starting to bring some of that out of the purely abstract realms in your mind and starting to put some things down on paper, as it were. Um, it could be a incredibly potent day for manifesting exactly what you need or pulling resources closer to you. And I think it's a real trip to have this all blended together with this whole week of asking yourself, what's going wrong in my career? What is not serving me? Where are the places where I have had to like compromise myself in my values, in my speech, in my thinking, in the way I communicate or present myself in the world, like just to be able to live, just be able to pay rent and get groceries and like make it through the day. Where are all the places where I've had to trim off my own edges? And then in the midst of that conversation, here comes this Mercury, Pluto, North Node moment that's like, and what would you prefer it to be? <laughs> like, really, really, like pretend just casually, like the gods are holding the microphone up to you on this day. And they're asking you, well, well, if you could have what you really need, what would you want? If you could get what would actually be perfect for you, what would you want? This is the day to make that call out to the universe. Absolutely 100%. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, your speech and your thinking might be really influential on this day. Uh, so again, that's what we're talking about here. Um, there could be some power struggles on this day if stuff is a little funky. Um, and one of the ways that this can get really weird is we can get really fixated on thinking about a thing and we just cannot get our brains jogged away from it. Like, that's it. I'm just obsessed with this. I'm just going to freak out on it for, <laughs> for the whole day and maybe I'll tone it down tomorrow. But, <laughs> um, so that could be a thing. And if it's, you know, something that's really progressive for us, cool, but even there, right? Too much of a good thing, still too much. So if you see yourself going the hamster wheel route, as I like to say, you can always put yourself in timeout and like, hey, okay, we've, we've thought about this plenty. Let's do anything else for a while, that sort of thing. But really potent, potent, potent astrology. And then we get into some... Uh, something interesting with our heliacal rising. So we have a heliacal rising for the fixed star Nashira. And this is also in Capricorn. It's in the tail of Capricorn. And the name of this star means the lucky one or the bearer of good news. Hello? Uh, <laughs> um, literally on the day that's like, so I'm asking for good news. And we have the helial fixed rising of Nashira, the bearer of good news. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> As I said at the beginning of this, this week is asking us to do some really tough work, but not from a place of being judgmental about ourselves, but from a place of getting super real with ourselves about what is not working and where do I need to go with this? And 
we are going to have multiple opportunities this week to align ourselves with fate, fortune, luck. Um, and as I said, sort of a microphone directly to the ear of our gods, our guides, our ancestors, our spirit world helpers that are like, what do you need, kid? Just give me a list and let's start working on it. Again, as I said also earlier, I wouldn't necessarily expect instant action, but faith that you are being heard, faith that your words are making their mark on the universe, that thing. Okay. Our only holy day for this day is the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. Uh, this is a pagan and Catholic holiday. This version of the Virgin Mary and lots of other like um, venerated sightings of Mary are very, very popular with pagan and pagan Catholic folk. Um, this is the anniversary of the first appearance of this Mary to a young girl in France. And this site is absolutely a, a very popular, um, and really magical, uh, pilgrimage site in France. All right, let us move on to February 12th. But before that, how about an ad? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you a bajillion billion times. See, the, the sirens are going off even as I say it. Um, thank you so, so much to my patrons. Um, you guys don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Thank you so much. Uh, you can sub for as little as a dollar if you just think this podcast is dope and you want to support it. Uh, I don't run ads on the podcast Um Partly because I don't want to, and partly because I won't get paid even if I do. Uh, so screw them, man. Um, you can sub, as I said, for as little as a buck or $5, even if you want to just support the podcast. And this is plenty of information. But if you want even more information, um, you know, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra information about the Wheel of the Year, magical practices, tarot, etc., etc., uh, subbing at the higher levels, you get all kinds of cool free stuff. And at the even higher levels, uh, you get free readings every month with me um, to be able to integrate all of this information into your personal life based on what's going on in your natal chart and all of that other good stuff. Join and change your life forever or, you know, whatever. Thanks so much for the support. If you can't support financially, I completely understand because life sucks on earth right now. It's too expensive for everything. Um, tell a friend, share it on social media, uh, give it a thumbs up. If you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can leave a rating or a review. All right. That's the end of the ad. Let's get back to the podcast. Okay. February 12th, we have our gibbous moon in cancer at eight degrees at nine 33 AM Pacific standard time. So coming back to our lunar phase stuff, when we move into the gibbous moon, our plant that was struggling and trying to decide, am I really going to like go for it and be a branch and do the whole thing is like, yes, I am. I have committed. I am a full on vine. And we are going to be producing leaves and probably some fruit at some point. And it's, we're doing it. I'm committing. Let's go. Our process is starting to pick up a little bit of momentum. 
Um, and so we can see how, like with that waxing half, bit of a slog there, right? Taurus and Ju and Venus, or excuse me, Taurus and Gemini moon were like, no, we got to chew on some gristle here for a minute. We got to slog through some gnarly stuff. Now we're in the gibbous moon. Now the energy is starting to pick up a little bit and things we're, we're kind of moving more into alignment with things out of the square. So now we are bringing all of that work that we did in the body while the moon was in Taurus, right? Tough stuff. And all that work that we did in the mind while the moon was in Gemini, also tough. And now we are bringing it into the heart. And here we want to think about all of the ways that we expend effort to bring joy and love to our families and our friends and the people that we love and cherish and that are important to us. We want to think about, you know, give it, uh, we're, well, side note, we want to give aid to people or groups who help take care of kids. Um, this is an especially holy act anytime the moon is in cancer. Um, but I really feel like this moon is trying to help us uh, do like with all of that other lunar work and all the other astrology that we have this week. I feel like this moon is really trying to help us bring into the heart these very difficult conversations to remind us this is why I made these compromises. <laughs> First and foremost, if I'm moving from a place of love out of myself, right? Out of love for my family, love for my friends, love for my community, then I'm considering wrangling all of these ethical questions and physical world needs and stuff. Um, you know, I'm coming from a place that's much more ethical, hopefully, right? I'm coming from a place that's much more loving, not fear-based, right? And, you know, hopefully I'm much more sensitive to the fact that I have needs and so does everybody else. Much more based in a love, camaraderie, communion kind of energy as I'm addressing these questions. And I get to ask myself, are my goals in my life really in league with what is ultimately best for the people that I think of as family. Um, and so uh, there's a lot there, but really it is about coming back into the heart. That's kind of at the core of our work that we're doing once the moon has moved into cancer. I've, I've had this moment where I'm thinking about how am I going to pay rent? I'm thinking about this moment. I'm like, you know, meh, I really wish I could have told that person the truth, but I had to keep my mouth shut because power dynamics, and stuff. And now this moon is like, and why do I do this? <laughs> why have I been making these compromises? You know, and at times it is out of a love of self. It's out of a self-preservation thing, but it's also out of, you know, this is what I had to do to get by. And I wasn't going to suffer that day. But also, and I expect more often, it is because we're doing it for the people that we love whatever, however it is that we have built our family. Those are our people that we fight for. Those are our people that we will suffer for. Those are our people that we, you know, will take on anxiety uh, to be able to make it good for them. Right. So this moon is like, let's come back to why are we doing this in the first place? Why are we struggling against anything? <laughs> why are we compromising in any way? Because we got to get shit done sometimes for the people that we love, for the people that we're responsible for that thing that that's the part of the convo that we're in as the moon is traveling through cancer this week. So 
while we're there for our lunar body, we are preparing for action, awakening, adorning, activating, and stimulating our breasts, our chests, our belly, and our lungs, whatever that means for you. And for our plant body work, we are planting, transplanting, and grafting. Again, for uh, our annual flowers and our fruits and our veggies that are going to be bearing above ground crops. So if you're doing tomatoes this year, zucchini or any other kind of squash, pumpkins, like all of that kind of stuff, anything that's going to bear fruit above ground, this is a good day to start your starts. We have no astrology of note for this day. We have very little astrology, just extremely potent astrology. So uh, I'm going to move on to the holy days of February 12th. Okay, on February 12th, we have the heliacal rising of two fixed stars. The first is Deneb Algeti. We talk about this star just a little bit in the workbook and in the Imbolc class. And um, just, you know, randomly, it marks, it's one of the stars in the tail of uh, Capricorn. But it is also one of the Bahenian fixed stars. And we don't have time or space in the scope of this podcast to talk about this collection of fixed stars. But there are 15. There's many, many, many fixed stars. But there are 15 that are like extra special. And Deneb El Gedi is one of them. Also uh, rising, basically at the same time, is the fixed star Sadal Su'ud. This is a pale yellow double star in the left shoulder of the water bearer, a.k.a. Aquarius. So yes, we are starting to see some of the stars that are in the constellation of Aquarius. The traditional name of this star means the luck of luck or the luck of lux. Another Arabic term used was Nir Sa'ad al Saud, which means the brightest of luck of lux. The Latin translation being Lucida Fortunae Fortunarium. The star Sadal Sud is the star of mighty destiny. This means the luckiest of the lucky. And it is one of the two most important stars in Aquarius, included in every quote-unquote worthwhile astrological list. It is universally recognized as a sign of good fortune. And universally recognized... Uh, in the sense um, of Western astrology, but this is a star that plays important roles in Eastern astrology and other places as well. So when we're talking about lucky, we mean like really, really lucky. Again, fitting very interestingly into our astrology of this week of challenging yourself to really name what's not working for you, the places where you've had to compromise yourself, maybe the places where you haven't, um, but also having that microphone held up to you kind of by the universe that's like, what do you actually need? Let's really talk about it. Okay. Our holy days uh, for February 12th, we have a lot. So let's get into it. From February 12th to February 14th, we have from our Greek friends and ancestors, Anthesteria. Now we talked about this a little bit uh, last week with the beginning of the month. We are in the Greek month of Anthesterion named for this festival. And this festival was one of the four Athenian festivals in honor of Dionysus. It was held each year uh, around Fe January or February full moon. Um, and then within it, we have three feast days. Uh, the first is 
Pithoasia. The second is Choez or Coez. And the third is Chaitroy, which we will talk about those three in just a second. Um, this festival basically celebrated the beginning of spring, particularly the maturing of the wine stored at the previous vintage, whose pithoi or jars were now ceremoniously opened. And again, as I mentioned last week, holy moly, look at that Aquarius imagery, the great jars being opened and spilled out. Hello? <laughs> like, what? What? Um, during the feast, social order was interrupted or inverted. Slaves were allowed to participate, uniting the household in the ancient fashion. The Anthesteria also had aspects of a festival of the dead. And the spirits of the dead were entertained and were allowed to freely roam the city until they were expelled after the festival. And after the festival, in a few days, we're going to have some collections of festivals coming up in the next couple of weeks that really mark the end of the year for Romans. Um, and so here's this sort of like big Day of the Dead moment, not Day of the Dead, not the same as that at all. I shouldn't have said that. But um, a festival of the dead moment that's sort of a like, yay, okay, it's the end of the year. Okay, bye. <laughs> you can go now, bye. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the name, Anthesteria, is usually connected with the word anthes, uh, which is flowers. And this is cognate with the Sanskrit andhas, which means the soma plant. Um, might have referred to the bloom of the grapevine. Some people connect the soma plant to cannabis or hemp. So who knows? Could have been all kinds of stuff, right? Um, uh, but some other folks have referred to this as the Feast of Revocation, a.k.a. to pray up, uh, in reference to the aspects of the festival where the dead were considered to walk amongst the living. Um, and so there's this element of like placating ancestral spirits about this whole festival. Okay, so day one of Anthesteria is Pithoisia, uh, and this means the jar opening. The jars of wine from the previous year were opened, libations were offered to Dionysus, and the entire household, including everybody, joined in the festivities. Spring flowers were used to decorate the rooms of the house, everybody's drinking vessels had flowers, and every kid over the age of three was decorated with flowers. So it's like <laughs> four and a half cram some flowers onto that kid's head. Uh, the days on which the Pithoisia and the Choez were celebrated were both regarded as apophrates, aka unlucky, in uh, the Latin equivalent is nefasti, which I think is interesting. They were considered to be defiled. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got a whole 24 hours in here. So while the sun is up, there's a day. And while the sun is down, there's, a, there's another day. <laughs> um, but on these days, the souls of the dead came up from the underworld and walked abroad. People chewed hawthorn leaves or buckthorn and smeared their doors with tar to protect themselves from any evil spirits that might be hanging out. Nonetheless, the festival um, uh, was, was very festive and very happy, generally speaking. Okay. Also on this day from our Roman friends and ancestors, running from February 12th to the 14th, were the Ludi Genializzi. Um, and this is the games for the genius. Now we've talked about the ludi before. These were public games that were held by Roman government, basically as distractions. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the Super Bowl, but it's kind of like that. 
Um, so the genius though here that we're talking about is the individual instance of a general divine nature that is thought to be present in every individual person, place, or thing within the Roman religion or the Roman uh, sort of paradigm, like their, their worldview. Much like a guardian angel, the genius would follow each person from the hour of their birth until the hour they died. And for men, it was a genii or genius. And for women, it was the Juno spirit that would accompany them. Now, there's a lot of gendered crap there because the Romans were really, really into the idea of all women being mothers and wives and pregnant and like running the household. So, nah. but Juno is a dope goddess. So I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> Each individual place had a genius and so did powerful objects such as volcanoes. The concept extended to some specifics, the genius of the theater, the genius of the vineyards, the genius of the festivals, which made performances successful, grapes grow, and celebrations succeed. Uh, it was extremely important in the Roman mind to, to propitiate the appropriate genii for the major undertakings and events of their lives. So, where I found this information, somebody was like, maybe it was the genius of the people, but we have all of these other uh, festivals happening at the same time that are like the festival to the wine itself, right? And the festival to the grape fields themselves. And so I think that this is an, an extension of that. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll be the first one to say that. But I feel like this is more about... Um, the games of the spirit of the moment, the games of the spirit of the, the vineyards, the vineyards, sorry, I don't know why I keep saying vineyards, um, the vineyards or um, the wine itself, or even the jars that held the wine. Again, we might not ever know, unfortunately, it, that little bit of information might actually be lost to time, but I, I don't know. I just think it's cool. And the concept, the Roman concept of the genius I really recommend looking into that. There's some cool stuff there. There's funky baggage too. So, you know, your mileage may vary, but there's cool stuff there. Okay, let's move on to February of 13th. All right, February 13th, our waxing moon is still hanging out in Cancer. And we have no astrology of note on this day either. Um, so... What else do we have going on? Well, for our sidereal astrologers out there, this is the day sun enters Aquarius, approximately. Right? We already had the sun mark um, a sidereal rising of one of the stars of Aquarius. So yes, we have officially entered Aquarius for our sidereal friends. Um, from our Armenian friends and ancestors, we have the holiday of Terndez. This is a Feast of Purification in the Armenian Apostolic Church and Armenian Catholic Church celebrated 40 days after Jesus' birth on the surface. Anyways, that's what this holiday is about. But what is it actually about? <laughs> because that's what we do here, right? <laughs> well, this is a bonfire jumping ceremony. And this celebration of Terndez is Zoroastrian in origin not Catholic, and is originally connected with sun and fire worship in ancient pre-Christian Armenia, symbolizing the coming of spring and fertility. The celebration is rooted in Armenian pagan tradition, originally called Derendez, which means a bundle of hay in front of your house. 
I love it. It was intended as a wish of prosperity to the home and fertility to the land. So it was literally like, look at the pile of gold that's sitting here. In ancient Armenia, the holiday was associated with the worship of Vaughn, the fire god, the sun, and uh, excuse me, the god of fire, the sun, and of war and courage, of strength, and all of that good stuff. Um, the power of the fire uh, would eradicate the winter's cold and allow for fertile land and a prosperous harvest. Couples, especially newlyweds, would jump over the Tundes flames for luck, prosperity, and fertility. Even the fire's ashes were believed to have healing properties. Armenians prepared and indulged in a tasty treat called agans. This is a concoction of roasted wheat and hemp. Interesting. Didn't we just talk about these two? <laughs> like, hello? Spelt being very similar to wheat. Aghans was enjoyed by the newly married or engaged couple after clearing the flames of the Turndes bonfire. Oftentimes, sesame seeds, peas, raisins, and other dried fruit were added to the Aghans mix, making a sweet dessert mixture. And um, we also see it as a baked and milled grain kneaded with uh, honey or fruit syrup. But um, really, really cool festival there. Really cool. Bonfire jumping, purification, healing, um, and fertility, right? Bringing back uh, life to the land, bringing back life and vitality and virility to newlywed couples who are going to be, in theory, making babies as we move into spring and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, cool stuff. Also on this day from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the second day of Anthesteria, which is Coes or Choes. Um, and this means the pouring. Merrymaking continued. Good to know. <laughs> People dressed gaily, some in the figures of Dionysia's entourage, uh, and would go and hang out with their friends and go visit friends and family, you know, in other parts of town. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this drinking clubs held contests to see who could drain their cups the fastest. <laughs> God is blessed. Others poured libations on the tombs of deceased, deceased relatives. So yes, we are officially pouring one out for the homies on this day. Uh, the day also marked a state occasion, a particularly solemn and secret ceremony in the sanctuary of Dionysus in the marshes, quote unquote, which was closed throughout the rest of the year. Despite the name, there were no actual marshes in the immediate surroundings of Athens, and the sanctuary was located, you know, basically in the middle of Athens. Um, but there was a ritual queen, the Basilina, who underwent a ceremony of marriage to Dionysus. And so in the marshes may be a euphemism for, you know, knocking of sacred boots, as we like to say here on the podcast. All right, that brings us to February 14th. All right, February 14th, our waxing moon enters Leo. So we are officially into the preamble of our full moon that's coming up here. Uh, and what are we doing with this waxing moon in Leo? We are doing something creative. <laughs> we are doing something creative that expresses your emotions, that expresses your inner self, and we are performing this or we are showing this to an audience. I know somebody's butthole just puckered. It's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I want to say that all again, okay? We are doing something creative to express our emotions, to express our inner self. Think of the lunar work that we are doing all week long. Whoa, what do we have to say now, right? Um, and who would we share this with? Who would want to see this? Uh, who needs to see it, right? That too. And if you don't think that you're going to be ready to perform something that fast, make a plan to work on this thing for a year and perform it next time we come to this lunar moment next year. That thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, you thought you were getting out of it? No. No. Uh, for our lunar body work, <laughs> we are stimulating, preparing for action, awakening, activating, and adorning our back, our heart, our circulation, and our blood. Um, again, as I, as I say, in whatever way makes sense for you, talk with a real healthcare advisor. Don't just listen to me, a, uh, crazy lady yelling on the internet. Um, yeah. For our plant body work, we are harvesting, we're doing pest control, we're doing disease control, we're plowing, weeding, or pruning to encourage above ground growth. Now let us move directly into the astrology of this day. We have two things going on. One, we have the North Node in Taurus trine Pluto in Capricorn at 27 degrees. As I said, this is kind of going on all week. It's going to be like this for uh, you know a week or two after this date. So don't you know this is this is when it's exact is on this day, but you've got a little time to work with it. As far as I'm concerned. This transit could feel like divine guidance is near you. And I am not using this term lightly. I think you all know that about me. <laughs> this is an incredible transit for cutting through the illusions about your life and getting to the more powerful truth beneath them. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, truly could feel like a rebirth moment, truly could feel like, you know, something shifts and you're like, oh, wow, I, that was a before we're in the after. Okay. That happened. Um, a secret could be revealed and it could change a relationship in a super profound way. But even if in the moment it feels like an, oh no, or an eek kind of a moment, believe that it is for the good of all involved. So even if something has been revealed, that's like a, oh shit, kind of a thing. Give it a moment, take a breath. As I always say, put yourself in timeout, take a walk around the block, whatever you have to do, but believe that it will all turn out. Believe that this moment is the secret being revealed is in the benefit of all. Um, but really, really, really a day that like divine guidance is like, I'm listening, I'm here, what's up? Tell me what you need and is really here to help us see ourselves and who we really, really are, what we really have in our bag of resources, uh, what the real nature of our needs and fears are really, really potent, potent day on this same day, Mercury enters Aquarius, um, and you know, is going to help in a way to put words to this experience. Um, when Mercury is in Aquarius, our thinking and communication can tend to be more radical, more intellectual, and more humanitarian focused. But, and 
While our ideals might be loftier at this time, we might also be more rigid in our thinking. And that's because Saturn is the ruler of Aquarius and Saturn is in Aquarius and has been in Aquarius for 470 years. And <laughs> I'm lying, it hasn't been that long, but it just feels like it. And so anytime anybody is hanging out in Aquarius, Saturn is putting this extra level of like stern pessimism over the over it. So as this North Node trine Pluto moment is happening, and remember early in the week, we have like Pluto-Mercury moment hanging out that could be really, really revelatory. As Mercury enters Aquarius, you might also be finding a voice in your mind that's really pessimistic, but feels like it's speaking from a very grounded and realistic place. So just listen to yourself and say to yourself, am I being realistic right now or am I being pessimistic? There's a difference. I can be real and it's bad news or I can be pessimistic, which means I don't have any hope. I don't have any faith. And as I said earlier, this is absolutely a week of fostering your faith in yourself, in your future, in your people, in your community, in your skills, in your potential. Like this is very much a week of fostering your faith in your ability to whoop this world's ass in the most loving, wonderful way possible, right? You know, peace and flowers and fairies and shit. But whoop an ass. Right? <laughs> and so this Mercury and Aquarius moment might be a day where all, you know, we're having these cool revelations, we're having this hope and we're having these like, oh, wow, what if maybe this would work out? Then here comes Mercury. That's like, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Um, so just listen to yourself. Am I being realistic or am I being pessimistic? Because pessimistic means I don't have any hope, which means, well, if there's no use, then why try? Right. And that's not where we're at. We're working this week. We're working on it. Okay. Um, that is everything for our lunar work. And that is everything for our astrology for February 14th. So now let's get into the holy days. We have a lot for this day because we're coming up into the new moon. So we have a lot. Okay. <laughs> I meant the full moon, but you know, you know what I mean. I hope. <laughs> or maybe you don't. I guess that would be the point of the instructional element of this podcast. Okay. Uh, holy days for February 14th, <laughs> starting with from our Roman friends and ancestors running from February 14th to the 21st is the nine day festival of Parentalia. The Parentalia or Dies Parentales um, means the ancestral days. This was a nine-day festival held in honor of family ancestors beginning on uh, the 13th day of the lunar month aligning with February. Um, there were offerings of flower garlands and wheat, again, right? Uh, salt, wine-soaked bread, and violets to the shades of the dead. And these were called the mains or the demains or manes. Um, and they were thought to be like elements of dead people, <laughs> not necessarily their entire soul, but part of their soul kind of would be the equivalent. Um, these shades of the dead might be met at the family tombs, um, which were located outside of Rome's sacred boundary, the Pomerium. And that sacred boundary of the city of Rome is going to become 
uh, more important as we get closer and closer to the end of the Roman year. Remember, uh, these months, these days and months and weeks that we're in right now for the Roman and Greek calendars, uh, we're, we are coming to the end of their year. Their, their year will start on uh, spring equinox. So these observances were meant to strengthen the mutual obligations and protective ties between the living and the dead, and they were a lawful duty of the head of the family. Um, there's a bunch of really cool stuff about Parentalia. I would definitely recommend going and checking out that, that um, festival. There's just neat details with it. All right. Also on this day from our Naga friends and ancestors running from February 14th to the 15th, is the festival of Louis Nani. Louis Nani is the seed sowing festival celebrated by the Naga tribes of Manipur, India. The festival heralds the season of seed sowing and marks the start of the year for the Nagas. The festival is a special occasion to honor and appease the gods of crop and to pray for the well-being of the people. Various cultural activities are showcased during the festival, such as cultural dances and songs, including various cultural attire shows, lighting of a sacred bonfire, drum beating, and traditional folk dances and songs. And we see that flute playing or wind instrument playing and drum beating thing repeated a lot in festivals this week, as well as the big purifying bonfire symbol repeated a lot. Also on this day, we have, of course, St. Valentine's Day. This is from our Catholic friends and ancestors slash kind of a popular global, um, you know, modern holiday. So uh, St. Valentine's Day actually originated as a Christian feast day honoring uh, one or two early Christian martyrs named St. Valentine and through later folk traditions has become a significant cultural, religious, and commercial celebration of romance and love in many regions of the world. There's some interesting things that we can talk about with St. Valentine, but I'm not going to get into get into it today. Uh, but I may, meh, I'm probably not going to get into it. Um, but uh, this saint is uh, connected with courtly love. Also the patron saint of epilepsy and beekeepers. That beekeeper thing is is like wiggling in the back of my brain. And I think that there's something there that maybe I'm supposed to be researching. But uh, TLDR, I'm not gonna. Sorry. <laughs> Partly because we have like six, seven other holidays for just this one day. <laughs> so from our Haiti friends and ancestors, we have the feast or the festival of the Ersiles. This is um, a big multi-day festival celebrating all of the female loa and goddesses in the Haitian pantheon. Also on this day, we have the Feast of Vali from our Norse friends and ancestors. So in North excuse me, in Norse mythology, uh, Vali is a son of the god Odin and the giantess Rinder. Um, Vali has a bunch of brothers, including Thor, Baldur, and Vidar, and he was born for the sole purpose of avenging Baldur's death and does this by killing Hodur, who was an unwitting participant Okay, also on this day from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have Chai Troy, which is the third day of Anthesteria. This third day was called Chai Troy or Chai Troy, and this literally means the pots. And this was a festival for the dead. 
um, like full on. So fruit or cooked pulse, basically like fruit and grain cooked together and uh, oats, I think, was offered to Hermes in his capacity as Hermes Cthonios, the underworld figure, and to the souls of the dead who were then bidden to depart. Um, so again, that's this is uh, kind of speaking, in my opinion, really back to um, that idea of we've had disorder in winter and now we are calling the world to order. And so we're like appeasing the dead and giving them their due. And then we're kind of like, okay, you need to go back to the lands of the dead now. Go on, go back, go back. We'll see you later. None of the folks who um, were involved in this ritual were in, uh, excuse me, none of the Olympians were included, meaning none of the uh, Greek gods were included in this festival. And no one tasted the food, which was food for the dead. Uh, the celebrations continued and games were held, although no performances were allowed at the theater. A type of a rehearsal took place at which the players for the ensuing dramatic festivals were selected. Um, and so... As we know, there's going to be dramatic festivals throughout the rest of the year. Okay. Also on this day, we have the modern holiday of International Condom Day. Uh, ICD promotes safer sex awareness in a fun and creative way while encouraging people to use condoms. Uh, join us. Um, or excuse me, join in on the fun. Yeah, join us. I'm plural now. Join in on the fun as we celebrate ICD by reminding everyone that condoms are always in fashion. Pretty much almost, almost any kind of sex that you want to have uh, can be safer when using a condom. Uh, I love this day. I think it's really cool. I love that it happens here during this week of, you know, St. Valentine's Day, of course, but also Lubricalia and a variety of these other um, let's get but naked and pray holidays. Um, but I think that International Condom Day is cool in and of itself. It's also a really great day to bless your safer sex equipment. Whatever your safer sex tools are, your supplies, your equipment, this is a beautiful day to bless and cleanse and like bring good energy to all of that part of your life. Okay, also on this day, from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis of the Temple to Faunus. So <clears throat> the Dies Natalis equals the birthday of the temple. And the birthday could be a lot of different things. Uh, we've talked about this before, but just in case you didn't hear it the last 80 times I mentioned it, uh, it could be when the first stone was laid. It could be when the site was picked for the temple. It could be the last you know, brick is put into place. It could be when the curtains are finally hung or when the statue is finally brought in. The birthday moment is lots of different things. But every year, the temples that these deities live within or are prayed to and worshipped within are sort of refreshed and they themselves have a birthday. Now, if, if that sounds odd, remember what we talked about earlier in the podcast for earlier this week, where there's the Ludigeni, um, or Genalitzi, uh, which is the games of the genius. But in that conversation, we were talking about how places have a genius and items have a genius. And so the temple itself is being worshipped here. Uh, but this is for Faunus. Um, Faunus in ancient Roman religion was a horned god of the forest, plains, and fields. When he made cattle fertile, he was called Inuus. Uh, he came to be equated with Pan, uh, 
pretty similar stuff here. Uh, Faunus was one of the oldest Roman deities. According to the epic poet Virgil, he was a legendary king of the Latins. Uh, his shade, aka his ghost or a part of his soul, was consulted as a goddess of prophecy under the name Fatuus, who we talk about at other parts of the year, uh, with oracles in the sacred grove of Tiber around the well of Albunia, which interesting there, right? How many ancient sacred wells are being worshipped and venerated at this time of year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Faunus revealed the future in dreams and voices that were communicated to those who came to sleep in his precincts and temples, lying on the fleeces of sacrificed lambs. I love that. Uh, Faunus may be of Indo-European origin and related to the Vedic god Rudra. It's believed that he was worshipped by traditional Roman farmers before becoming a nature deity. Faunus is also identified with the deity Lupercus, he who wards off the wolf, otherwise a priest of Faunus. Um, and so this might be the deity or a deity that is worshipped at Lupercalia, who we, which we are just about to talk about. Um, so maybe we we really don't know, but but maybe that's that's what's up with this person. So on that note, let us move on now to February fifteenth. All right, February fifteenth. We still have our waxing moon hanging out in Leo, so we are still doing that Leo moon work. Um, and that's really all I have to say about that. So let's move on to the astrology, of which we only have one tiny little thing happening. But for me, this really encapsulates. Uh, and summarizes and brings to a head, <laughs> uh, undergirds, you know, whatever kind of terminology we want to use here, the work that we are doing with our moon work and our astro work of this week. Really, really cool. Okay, so what do we have with a sun squaring the north nodes? This can be a moment of reality with your resources that are currently sustaining you but in this moment, you see the finite nature of that situation. Now, on the surface, this might sound like a scarcity thing. And I want you to remember, just like at the beginning of the week, where I'm asking you to have these hard conversations with yourself, but not from a judgmental place, but a very compassionate place of, oh my gosh, look at these compromises I've had to make. In another life, I wouldn't have made these compromises. And here what we're doing is we are not looking at where we are coming up short in the situation. We are looking at where the situation is coming up short in comparison to our growth. This is not about scarcity. It's about realizing that, you know, where you might have outgrown the capacity of your current situation. And it sits for me, very nicely with the work that we're doing this entire week of really being real with, this is not serving me. I've had to trim my edges in all these different ways and it's still, the situation is still not what I need. I'm becoming what the situation needs, but the situation is not becoming what I need. And so this is a moment where, you know, again, like I said, on the surface, a lot of this astrology might sound like bummer stuff. I'm actually really, really excited by it. So for me, this feels like a big time work, job, career, reality check-in. You know, it's Taurus, right? 
Um, so it's about our job. It's about our money. It's about our physical needs and physical world security and all of that stuff. Um, but this moment on the surface, I think if we're not expecting it, it might feel like a really frustrating moment of like, oh my God, this situation is going to explode. This is never going to work out. Berg. Uh. Versus calmly sitting within yourself and saying, wow, I have changed so much in the last few years. So many things in my life and in the world have changed so much in the last few years. And this job situation, these resources, they are not going to sustain my changes. You know, we're making it work for now, but at some point I'm going to have to get up and out of here. I'm going to have to go on to the next thing because this is not going to serve me soon enough. Um, and I know a lot of us are like, oh Christ, another change, right? <laughs> you know, like, ah, geez, can't I just have five minutes of calm? No, sorry. <laughs> That's kind of out of my hands. But, but I feel like a moment like this isn't the change. It's the settling in to the fact that things are going to have to change. And as I have said over and over again, I really feel like we can do this work from a place where we are patting ourselves on the back for, you know, look at all the bullshit you've put up with. Look at all the ways that you have conformed and compromised yourself. Look at how you have been able to provide security and resources for your loved ones. Um, but in this moment, let's take a moment and breathe in this thing is not going to sustain me for as long as I need it to. And at some point, this situation is going to have to change. We're going to have to find a different resource that suits me and suits my situation and suits my growth. That thing. It's the North Node. And we've been talking with the North Node all week. So even in this conversation, I really want to encourage you, even though it's a square, it's friction, there's tension, it's right, it's helping us through discomfort. Right? It's helping us by showing us where things are not working anymore. But don't get discouraged and go, don't get scared. Don't act from that scarcity place of like, oh my God, my resources are running out. I'm freaking out. Burr. Not that. Just the calm acknowledgement of, yeah, resources run out. That happens. Sometimes we change and that thing that was a perfect resource for us before, it's not perfect now. It doesn't fit anymore. It's, it's different. I'm different. So it doesn't work correctly. I need to change it up. That stuff. Okay. Our holy days for February 15th. We only have two from our Buddhist friends and ancestors. We have the Pari Nirvana Day. This celebrates the day when the Buddha is said to have achieved Pari Nirvana or complete Nirvana upon the death of his physical body. Also, the day is a time to think about one's own future death and on the deaths of loved ones. This thought process reflects the Buddhist teachings on impermanence. And have we not had so many festivals and bits of astrology come to us this week to say, let me help you sit with your dead and let me help you sit with everything changes. And we need to adapt and grow and move with those changes. And sometimes we even need to recognize that the changes have started with us and tell the rest of the world, hey, Y'all got to figure it out. <laughs> you need to move, change, go faster, go slower, shift it up, something, something. We got to move it. So Peri Nirvana Day, bringing us into those teachings around impermanence. Last but not least. Uh, yeah, last but not least. I have Siegfried's Day from the Norse, but I'm not going to talk about it. Um, we'll just say, man, no, never mind. <laughs> it's 
Sigurd's Day. Eh, okay. Last but not least, from our modern pagan friends and family and ancestors, as well as our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the incredible festival of Lupercalia. Yes, I know. I have mentioned it like 40 times in this podcast because it's incredible. It's amazing. Lupercalia was a pastoral festival of ancient Rome observed annually to purify the city, promote health and fertility. Lupercalia was also known as Dies Februatus after the purification instruments called Februa. Um, and so this is where February or Februaris gets its name. Um, is from this tool, the Februa. And the Februa is a tool of purification that was basically a whip. Uh, it was a goat thong. Um, and uh, these priests would come into the city uh, wearing skimpy little um, uh, loincloths made of goat skin, and they'd have their goat thong whips, and they would run through the streets whipping people. I have a huge piece about this on my website because I am a pervert uh, and I am thrilled at the idea that there was a national holiday in ancient Rome that was just a big old like Folsom Street get out into the street and get butt naked and get whipped by people like hi hi hello that's the old time religion I'm talking about where's where do I sign up for that cruise how do I get on how do I get on that? <laughs> Hello? Let me know if I can help you with your Lupercalia uh, festivals. <laughs> um, to me, there is so much in Lupercalia that sits very comfortably with all of our carnival celebrations, but lots of our late winter uh, festivals have a very similar attitude of like, we need to come in and wake up the spirit on purpose. Uh, we are asleep. We've been dormant. We're stiff. We're cold. Uh, we've we're older. <laughs> uh, we're you know grumpier. Uh, we care less. Our serotonin is extremely low. You know, <laughs> and there are all of these really incredible festivals that are like, no, we need to get our hearts racing. We need to get to sweating. We need to get the blood pumping. Let's go. Uh, and Lupercalia sits very nicely in all of that. Why I say this is the modern pagan adaptation, because it is placed on February 15th by modern pagans. It happens on the 15th day of February, uh, uh, the, the Roman month. Um, and so that's technically uh, the 16th or 17th. I can't remember now. It's next week, but it's like on the full moon, basically. Um, and so if you would like to start celebrating now, have at it, you freaks. <laughs> you perverts. <laughs> All right, let us uh, check out the wrap up for this wild ass week. Okay, so this week, our lunar phases move from Taurus to Leo, and these are all fixed signs. And so these are our fixed signs kind of holding down the energy as we pass through the very middle part of winter. I know that we've been talking about how in bulk season is sort of the gateway to spring, but we got a ways to go. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to get there, but slowly. All right. For the astrology this week on February 8th, uh, we have Mars in Capricorn, Trine, Uranus in Taurus at 11 degrees. 
on February 11th, we have Mars, excuse me, Mercury in Capricorn conjunct Pluto at 27 degrees and Mercury in Capricorn trine the North Node in Taurus at 27 degrees. On February 14th, we have Mercury entering Aquarius and we have the North Node in Taurus trine Pluto in Capricorn at 27 degrees. Big old, you know, cluster group sex uh, situation there. Uh, and then on February 15th, we have uh, the Sun in Aquarius square the North Node in Taurus at 27 degrees. Next week, we have a beautiful full moon in Leo. Uh, we have a really cool sextile between Jupiter and Uranus, which has not happened for those planets in 10 years. So there's going to be a little bit of let's think back to 10 years ago to, you know, some of that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I'll save that for next week. But this, this sextile really kicks off, in my opinion, some of the Jupiter magic that we may experience this year. And next week, the sun enters Pisces. Uh, okay, my friends, that's it. I'm going to go eat dinner because um, I'm recording this very late at night and uh, probably watch some drag queens. You know how I do. And I hope that you really carve out some time for yourself this week to foster your faith and allow these uncomfortable moments of thinking about where you've had to crunch, where you've had to compromise, where you've had to like shave off your edges to fit into somebody else's situation. I really want you to think about, Hey, I did that cause that's what needed to get done. And we're all here and we're all still alive. So cool. It all turned out right. But also I don't want to do that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. And where are the places where you can begin to foster faith in yourself, in your skills, in your capacity, in your future and our future? Because, you know, when we are bummed out and we're thinking about, man, there's no future. That's my future that you're talking about, too. That's their future that you're talking about, too. It's not just yours. So as much as we have the responsibility of being hopeful about the future, we also have the responsibility of being responsible <laughs> about building that future. It's not somebody else's job. It's ours. But that new world, that better way, um, that version of us that's closer to fine, right? Closer to grace, closer to happiness, closer to satisfaction, um, and, and wholeness, uh, is in our imagination. It's in there. And I could totally understand why that version might be hiding out right now. It's a tough world, but that version of us is in there. That version of our life is in there. And how we begin to move toward it and how we begin to move in ways where we are actively manifesting with everything we do and everything that we say and everything that we are, it starts with our faith. And I know that is some hippy dippy bullshit, but, and also it's fucking true. Isn't that a bitch? That's, that is messed up, man. <laughs> like, dude, really? It really, it's really about just love and like believing in each other, man. That's some, wow. Oh, geez. That is, that's cheesy, dude. That's cheesy, dude. 
but it's also the truth. So from one cheesy uh, love-soaked hippie to the next, <laughs> um, we've got this. This is going to be a week of understanding where we have had to compromise ourselves to make it happen and putting our petition out to the universe of, hey, this is what I need to start doing it more close to right in the future for me and for us. That old Roman poem, right? I plant these seeds for myself and my neighbor. Blessed be, heathens. <laughs>